welcome everybody to Tabletop Journeys. We have a very special episode for you tonight. A great conversation with the members of our cast, conversation about them as role players, as people, and as their characters, what they have brought to the crew of the Dolomus Christian. Said, without further ado, I bring you David. David, please take a moment to introduce yourself to the audience, fellow Patreon members, and everybody on the interweb. All right. I'm David Rideout. I am a civil engineer who lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have been gaming since about 1983. As one podcaster put it, I am polygamerous, which means I love learning new game systems. I generally, on my groups, Forever Game GM. And I generally do not run the same game system twice, which may occasionally frustrate my players as I force them to buy new game books to learn the next game system. They're all they're up for it. They like learning, getting the new system and trying the next the next campaigns because they know it'll be something different, not just the same thing over and over. Awesome. I really identify with the polygamerous identifier. I think that makes a lot of sense for me. And I'm sure if your local game store is anything like my FLGS, they love the fact that I spread my wings and help my players mm-hmm. spread their wings and try new systems and new games and things like that. So, In fact, cool. my greatest problem is having shiny syndrome. Yes, always the issue, always the issue. David, you answered this in part. You gave us the when you got started in tabletop role-playing games, but I'm going to go to part two of that question. How did you get started in tabletop games? I had recently moved from one city to another, and I'd gone back to visit a friend of mine, and he had said, have you ever heard of this game called Dungeons & Dragons? I was like, no, I hadn't. He says, well, would you like to try it? I said, sure. So rolled me up a fighter using the old basic set, and he ran me through Keep on the Borderlands. And honestly, I died relatively quickly, but I was hooked. I had so much fun, and I couldn't stop talking about it. And so soon after that, my mother gave me um, the present of the ba- of the Moldvay basic set. Yeah. And, you know, of which I still have managed to keep them, and I still have, you know, the rule books and the dice over in my bookshelf. Nice. Um, and I very much treasure those. And she told me that this was the 80s. And those of us who lived through the 80s know what the atmosphere was like back then. And she said she'd heard some things about this game. And if she found out that I was, it was taking over my life, that they would take, she would take it away. And, but she saw that I was excited about it. And so would let it give it a chance. Like I said, I was hooked and it took over my life in a good way in that I met some of the best friends anyone could ever meet through the game. It did not take over my life in that it did not cause me, cause my grades to suffer or anything like that. But my friends and I created a gaming club that would meet every weekend. And it was a combination of running games and goofing off. And some of us, some of it would continue into college, where I would meet more of more friends through the game. And a lot of these people, we still are friends today. At least one of the people in my gaming group is from my gaming group in high school. And a couple of them are from still from college. 
these are like lifelong friends. Absolutely. As I've shared on the show many times, obviously, the team here at Tabletop Journeys consists of two of us who met when we were uh-huh. in junior high school and just getting started playing uh-huh. role-playing games. Maybe a few years after each of us individually started, but we really formed up together through that process. And with our third member, somebody I met while at college, and we've just continued to do that. And many of the people who are patrons, actually some of the cast members we met during college as well. It is just one of those things where it's always been a part of what we do. We've described it as being similar to like poker night. Yep. It's our excuse to get together and be social. Looking at some of the specifics, you mentioned the fact that you are typically the forever GM. Again, a tag I personally identify with, though I have gotten pretty good at getting that at least to a 65-35 split at this point. So talk to us about your playing experiences versus all your GMing experience. It sounds like you definitely GM more, but I know when uh-huh. you came to Tabletop Journeys, part of that was so you had that opportunity to play. Part of it is, among my friends, I'm the one who likes to DM, and I love game mastering. I love creating the worlds. I love coming up with the campaign ideas. I love running it. I just, I love everything about it. And if I'm being honest, I love being the host, having the people come to my place and just and, and being the host at the gathering. And as we've gotten older, the number of games we've been able to be in has reduced. I can remember back in the third edition days, I was in maybe three, four games a week. That was the heyday of the most games I was in. And unfortunately, as... We've had to adult more. The number of games we could be in has reduced. So I'm basically down these days to the game I run and the game I'm in with you guys. There's a chance for some more coming up. We'll see what happens. But like I said, I just love everything about running a game and creating the campaigns. You know, in my head, I just have the ideas just coming for campaigns. And so this is my creative outlet. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have the opportunity to game master what I would do with these ideas. I spend a fair amount of time with notepads in on various systems, various uh-huh. machines, whenever an idea strikes to write that down so it can be used for fuel for some future game or what have you. Moving into a little bit more of the IP specifics, how did you first get into Star Trek and when was that? Honestly, it was so long ago, I can't remember. My father would tell me that when I was a baby, he would sit up with me and watch the original series with me. This is before I can remember. So Star Trek's been with me my entire life. I would catch all the reruns when I could, and I can remember in college being excited when they announced Next Generation. So my whole life, as Star Trek has just been there. Excellent. And speaking of merging both this fantastic IP that has been such Uh an incredible part of both of our lives, or all of our lives for that matter, when did you first start playing Star Trek role-playing games, or is STA the first uh, Star Trek role-playing game you've picked up? It's not. I started playing back with the old FASA RPG. I'd picked it up and got a chance to 
play it a few times. My group was not as big into it as I was, but I did manage to twist a few arms and play a few times. At the very least, the FASA source books were just great references for um, during a time when there weren't any new series coming out for when you were hungry for new Star Trek stuff. Get the books and see what else was something new for Star Trek to come out. I especially loved it when they came out with the Star Trek Starship Battle Simulator just because I love the Starship designs and I would just look at the Starship books, looking at the different designs. I would just sit there and just flip through the books, looking at the ship designs. So you can imagine what it's like with me now with the STA game and the Utopia Planitia book. (laughs) Now, I didn't did not get into any of the other games over the years, unfortunately. It just, for some reason or another, just wasn't in the stars. Just wound up not buying them. I kept meaning to, but like I said, my group, the other players, weren't into it as much as I was. Time went on, and a year, year or so ago, wound up joining the Patreon for your podcast and getting the chance to play. And I originally started playing with you with the play test for the classes of the multiverse and then was wondering what was going to go on after that in terms of the campaign and then the ogl kerfuffle started and we're talking about moving away from wizards of the coast and i was like okay i wonder what's going to go on and you guys announced star trek and i was like okay yes (laughs) if there was anything other than say D D. This is a game I want to play. It is, uh, I would say, almost a mathematical certainty that at some point our orbits had to cross, right? Because, uh-huh. and I won't say that anything that happened with the OGL was specifically a good thing, but I will say that a lot of really great things have come from it. Among those was the opportunity to fast track getting Star Trek to be a part of Tabletop Journeys, mm-hmm. our opportunity to meet meet again and play regularly with you at the uh, TTJ table has been just awesome. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. But so yeah, it, if there are any two genres that I would most look forward into playing in, it was either Star Trek or a superhero game system. Those are Uh, just the ones I love. I have a plethora of knowledge having played a lot of the last unicorn games version. And I never played the decipher game system, but I have several of the books. Shifting into the Star Trek player character focus and really the meat and potatoes of what this gathering and interview is all about is really jumping into Star Trek preservations. Would you care to introduce your character amongst the crew of the Delamas Christian? My character is Avidian Tanari. He's a young Andorian engineer raised on a starship. I took some a lot of inspiration from Commander Shran from Enterprise. His parents and his family belonged to the Andorian Mining Consortium. At some point, his family ship had gotten serious trouble where it looked like they all might die and was rescued by a Starfleet ship, which inspired him to join Starfleet. It was something that his parents was not entirely supportive of, but they went along with it. But as a result of his background, he's very good at improvising. Do, making do with what he's got, as opposed to a lot of engineers who might come up through a more formal training who know how to do things the proper way. 
this is why when I design the character that his daring is his most is his highest stat because he's used to dealing with things in emergency situations and things breaking down at the last minute. He is, in a lot of ways, a combination of five characters from the various Star Trek series. They are Miles O'Brien, of course, Shran and Hammer, who are the two most prominent Andorian characters in Star Trek, and Travis Mayweather from Enterprise. All excellent sources of Mm -hmm. inspiration. In fact, you really folded into what would have been my second question for you, which is what do you or what or who do you consider to be your character, your biggest influences in the process of having developed this character for the game? It sounds like you've already done a fantastic job of answering that. So I'm not going to ask you that one again. But (laughs) I will say growing up, the original series, Scotty always was one of my favorite characters. And so that also leaned heavily into my choice of wanting to be chief engineer. After we've talked about who your character is, where they come from, and the influences and inspirations for them, I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of the things that have happened so far, and uh, but more personal, how they relate to uh, Tenari themselves. In playing Tenari, what has been your favorite character element, whether it be a metric or a power or an ability? What has been your favorite character element that you have used or utilized in Season 1 of Star Trek Preservations? So far, I've had a lot of fun I think I've described this before in some of the shows, but just being able to play with the toys, being able to use the techno babble that you hear a lot of the engineers use on the show, and being able to do that kind of technological problem solving. That said, character and you know that technically has been the fun part. Character-wise, it's fun playing a character who is still new to his position as being chief engineer. One scene that was a lot of fun was one where we were just starting off in the adventure, and I was talking about trying to get the engineering crew to show up the crew, the engineering crew of the Michael Collins. I rolled kind of a command roll to inspire them, and I flubbed it completely. And it was a great little character moment there just because it played in the fact that he was still new to command, not really used to. He's a great technical person, but not quite there yet in terms of inspiring people. And it's one of these things where we have a joke in our in my gaming group where when someone rolls badly, we say the dice are telling a story. And that's where I felt at that moment is that the dice were telling a story about Ovidian. I like that a lot. I absolutely do. The next question is the follow-up to that. What are the elements or what is the element you most look forward to using or utilizing for Tanari in Season 2 of Star Trek Preservations? What's the future hold or what are you looking forward to getting to do in the upcoming episodes of the game? I'm looking forward to being able to do some more I used to call it field work, some away missions. A lot of the season one, we were on the ship quite a bit. And, and towards the end of the season, the missions got a little more varied, which I enjoyed. And so I'm looking forward to that 
a bit, quite a bit more. I'm hoping that we can get, now that we've got season one established, we can get some more NPCs that we've seen in season one that we can interact with. We've got Damon Brazic, who's a lot of fun. That was one of the great things on DS9 was that they had so many people. Vedic Burial, that's the name I'm thinking yeah. of. Some of the, some characters like that to come back and repeat. Josh and I have started our loose planning. Our outline for season two was very rough. Mm. We really wanted to let season one kind of breathe and do its thing organically before we mm-hmm. hyper plan season two. We had a general idea of what, what it might look like based on where we're ending. Obviously, we end season one on a cliffhanger, so we're going to have to wrap up that cliffhanger before we get too deep into what's going on into season two. Some of those things that you mentioned, I think, are not as far flung as they appear, <clears throat> but I expect a lot of fun. Last question. You mentioned one of the NPCs, and there's a couple that have recurred a little bit, but I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite NPC of season one, and then I'm going to ask you to tell me some interesting fact that you would like to know or find out about with that NPC. So far, I would have to say it's probably Damon Brazig because he's the one who's shown up the most and been the most prominent. You've made some hints about his past that would be interesting to find out. You've talked about some that he worked with Cassidy Yates, which me being a big DS9 fan got my ears perked up at that. And so it'd be interesting seeing what some of his past would be like. It seems like there's a hint that maybe there's a little something there that's waiting to catch up with him that he's trying to keep maybe a step or two ahead of. Nice. Nice. David, thank you very much both mm-hmm. for joining me tonight and helping me uh, put this together for our audience. Also, thank you for taking the time out of life's busyness and schedule for all of us who are burdened with the labors of adulting. Thank you so very much for taking the time out of your day for that. I can't wait till we can get down and throw some dice again and get back to what's going on the Talamas Christian. Thanks for being a part of the crew. Thanks for being a part of the family here at Tabletop Journeys. And we look forward to talking with you very soon. Thank you for running. I am very much looking forward to season two. Excellent. As I like to say, as often as possible, whenever we close a Star Trek themed episode, IDIC, y'all. Have a Mm -hmm. good night.